Uh, it's just fun. Uh, I absolutely love my job and, and everything I get to do, and it's things like that that just continually. I, I, I've got to wa- I've watched that thing over and over, and it cracks me up every time. And if you know the kids, that's what makes it <laughs> even funnier. Uh, Cody, which was the king here, uh, just seeing him come out in his element. Get to the fire! It was just, it's fun. Um, hey, I, I do appreciate everybody being here today, and I know this Sunday is a little bit different than what you're used to. I appreciate uh, uh, Preacher allowing me to be on the stage to share the pulpit with him, and um, he's doing a great thing over there for that church and bringing the Word of God, and uh, that's what I'm going to do now. Uh, we have just a little bit of time together, so I'd like to share a message that, that God has put on my heart, and I do hope today that you are able to get something from this message or, or get something from uh, this opportunity to be with children. I think it's good to uh, celebrate them from time to time, and usually we, we take a Wednesday night to, to do a big deal, but um, it's not quite in front of the church like it would be on a Sunday, so we wanted to congratulate them and celebrate them for an amazing year, and uh, uh, so many things, so many accomplishments they were able to have, and um, I, I look at the grade like kindergarten and see how many verses they were able to do, and, and like I said, some of the small groups that came together, new teachers uh, that had kind of got put in an element there and, and, and grew with the children. And above all, I think I would say that uh, our relationship with God grew a whole lot during this year. And, and the other thing I do want you all to know is, is just like pe- uh, Preacher's passion has been to go deeper here on a Sunday, we've been doing the exact same thing uh, on Sundays upstairs and then again on Wednesdays. And these children, I, I thank you all for allowing us to uh, be a part of their lives and for me to do that. It's, it's such a blessing and it helps make my job very enjoyable uh, to get to be with them. But with all that being said, I, I know it wouldn't be fitting for us not to be able to share a word from God here. So we're going to start in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of Luke chapter 2 and we're going to be- begin in verse 39. Um, obviously, my job is a children's pastor here at Temple and uh, you know, I, it's always my, my goal and my, my dream to, to hope that every parent and every person understands why these children are so important and what they're growing up to be. And, and usually my lesson is devoted towards that cause. And that's what part of this message is going to seem like is that's where we're starting. But I'm going to kind of challenge everybody today is to just kind of identify where you're at in your life with this, um, where you're at as far as your preparations, your determinations things like that. So like I said, we're going to begin in the book of Luke. Um, Where we're at in this passage is uh, Jesus as a child. Um, It's one of the only passages that's recorded where we can actually see Jesus as a child, and it is here in the book of Luke. So we're going to start in verse 39. And it says, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child, being Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. 
And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And in verse 52 it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray. Dearly Father God, we love you so much. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here. God, I thank you for all the children and everything they were able to accomplish this year. And God, I know it wouldn't be possible without you and your grace and your mercy on us. God, I pray that you just be there for us today. Help us to be able to get something from this message. God, use me to deliver your word. God, and I know that I'm, I'm not up here from, from any talent or, or gifts or abilities I have, but God, it's all because of you and everything that you've allowed me to do. And God, move in me today. Help me to say the things that I need to say. And God, just help our time together to be uh, uh, valuable, God. We love you so much and we thank you for everything. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so there's a few things that I want us to see uh, from this passage. Uh, We're going to focus heavily on verse 49, and I'm going to read that one more time. And it says, And he said unto him, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? He said he must be about his father's business. And this led me to just this idea of exactly what is God's business. What is God's business? But primarily, what is Jesus' purpose in this business? I mean, we know the life of Jesus. We know how ultimately his purpose is to die on a cross. But why did God give us this certain passage, this small bit of scripture with Jesus as a child talking about must be to do the Father's business? And and so I, I was reading and I was trying to figure it out. And I'm like, why would he give us this? And there's a few things that I want us to see. The first is there is a responsibility that Jesus had. There is a responsibility that Jesus had. And, and as I'm reading this, as I'm studying this, I, it began to be even clearer because, you know, I, I, I wanted to just to spin this and say, look, your kids need to be in service because Jesus was in service. That would be simple. Your kids need to be in service. Jesus was in service. Jesus was learning. So your kids should learn. Jesus was at the church. Your kids should be at the church. You should make their, sure they're there. But then what I got to see is, well, Jesus' parents didn't even make him be there, right? Now, we don't know what else happened outside of that. But what we know is that Jesus chose to be at church. And why? Why? Well, I think, and from reading this, is to set an example. To set an example. What kind of example? As a man. Because we all know that Jesus, when we, when we come to this idea of the Trinity, we know that Jesus is fully God while he's also man. Jesus is full deity. He, he has everything at his disposal, but he is also man. But why? Why is he man? It's to help us to understand our purpose and, and, and what we can accomplish and what we need to go through. So he is to set an example as a man. Philippians 2.6, it says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You see, we know how Jesus is. We know he's all-powerful. We know as we, we, we follow the story of Jesus, we know as he got older, he, shared, he, he performed miracles, he shared the word, he did all these amazing things. We know that, that Christ was omniscient, but what we see in this particular verse is he's not. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't have it all. And how do we know that? Because we can read in our verse, in, over, uh, in verse 40, it says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. He grew in his spirit. 
He grew in the Spirit. But it also says he filled with wisdom. If you're all-knowing, you can't grow in wisdom, right? So we know that he's not omniscient. He is a child. He is a man. He is the flesh. But then we also read in verse 52, it says he grew again in wisdom, stature, favor. So he's not fully God. He is man. But why? Because he's supposed to be an example to us and what we're supposed to be. You see, he submitted himself from the very beginning to God. We see here that he chose, like I said, I wanted to spin it off and say, parents, you need to have your kids in service. But what we see is Jesus' parents had actually left him. They did the Passover. They were performing the customs they had always done. Jesus was 12 years of age. He was at the age that he would begin to work in his father's business. His father was a carpenter. Now that Jesus was 12, it was his duty to begin that work as well. So they do the feast. They take the days of unleavened bread, and they begin to travel back home. And it was here as they began to travel back home that Jesus, it says, he stayed back in Jerusalem. He began to work in Jerusalem and do what he needed to do. His parents went on. It said they got a day's journey. They were looking for him, kind of looking for him, only to realize he wasn't there. Um, Usually in this camp, the way they would travel is women would go forward maybe with uh, children, and the men would stay back and follow behind them. And so more than likely, Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph, and Joseph thought he was with Mary, but there was no Jesus. And it wasn't until they went this day's journey that they were like, "Uh uh-oh, we don't have a kid with us. Now, just as a side note, I, 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 my, my mind goes crazy. I'm animated. i got to be animated for them. I'm like wondering that moment where you're walking that you realize you've lost the Son of God. And it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Like, this is a big deal. I hope nobody notices. Like, uh, but they do. They, they, uh, they, there's no Jesus. And it says they actually traveled back to Jerusalem. And they're looking, and after three days' journey, they find him sitting in the temple. Doing what? Playing? No. He's asking questions. He's finding out answers. And as you study this, you began to see that the teachers and everything at their time, it says they were astonished. They were amazed at what Jesus was doing because he was doing a good work. He was adamant about where he was. And it didn't say that anyone brought him there, but his own, his own desire to be there. And so it says they were there, and as his parents approach him, he says, basically the parents said, why have you done this to us? We've been sad. We've been sorrowful. And he says, how exactly did you search for me? Like, you should have came here first. Like, this is my father's business. i got to be worried about my father's business. And when we translate this word business, what it means is concerns. God's concerns. And what are the things that concern God? Those are kind of some of the things we need to think about and discuss. But this is what really just blew my mind. It says, verse 50, they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. When he said, look, why did y'all search for me? I got to be here. I'm about my father's business. They had no idea what he was talking about. Like, boy, you lost your mind. Like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, I must be about my father's business. His first thing Him, specifically Jesus, was to be an example for us. To be an example for us. How? To see that as men, we must be doing the same things Jesus do. We went through the the, the craze where we all had the bracelets. What would Jesus do? And it's cool in certain situations, but what about as we grow up? What about right now, this moment? Are we following in the steps of Jesus? Are we allowing him to be our example? 
Or is it just something we talk about? Like, yeah, Jesus was, that's how we need to be. Like, but we can't. Well, no, you can. Jesus is in the flesh. He is growing in wisdom. He is growing in the spirit. He is taking steps to be what he needs to be. He is the example that we are to follow. And the thing about this is the reason he was studying, the reason he was doing this is because he already knew he had a great calling that uh, God was calling him to do. And in order to fulfill that calling, it started here. He had to begin to prepare. He had to begin to do these things. You see him start growing in godly values, even all the way up into his adulthood. You see Jesus with, with, with virtues like meekness and temperance and, and humbleness and lovingness. He had characteristics of being bold, of being worshipful, of learning how to pray, learning to see the seriousness of that. So he was making the example for us while he was a child, all the way to growing up. And this example is one that we should continually seek. We should follow Jesus from his life. And I think that's why this small bit of passage is here. To show you it's important. It was so important that Jesus didn't wait till it was time for him to do his ministry. It started younger. What was the other responsibility he had? His other responsibility was to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel. The exact same responsibility we have. Jesus actually gave us that responsibility. And so as he's, as he's making that example for us, as he's becoming the example we need, it allows him to be able to preach the gospel easier, better. As he's in the temple, he's growing socially, uh, 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 physically even, uh, mentally, being able to know and, and, and to be able to operate the way that God wants him to be. And we see an example, two examples here of Jesus preaching the gospel. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And then we see another one where Jesus is at the woman with the well. And he says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of the water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That last verse, I put that up there for a purpose. I would never, I, I say never, I can't, I can't ever say never, I don't know that I would walk up to a woman at a well and talk like this. Like, and obviously the way they spoke and the way they did things was a little bit different. But Jesus was referencing something else in God's word in this passage. And how would he know that? Because he studied young. He started and it was important to him. He learned how to talk to people. He learned the people he needed to talk to. He learned how to do all of these things because it was important to him, because he had a responsibility. He had a responsibility. You see, we also can follow Jesus, and we see as he's an adult that some of these same characteristics come out. When he's in in the desert with nothing around, no food, no nothing, he has a, 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 a huge group of people. His disciples come to him and say, hey, we probably just need to send these people away. Jesus uses an opportunity to preach the gospel. Why? Because that's part of God's business. He's supposed to do this. He calls them all. He breaks bread, feeds over 5,000 people with bread and fish. He has another opportunity where, where the Pharisees are trying to, to, to put him in a situation. They bring a woman who's been caught in adultery and says, what should we do with him? And he had all the right, according to the law, to say stoner. That's what you should do according to the law. 
But he finds an opportunity to provide grace and to be able to preach the gospel. How does he do these things? Because he had a responsibility. His responsibility was fulfilling God's business, God's concerns. God's God's concern wasn't to condemn the adulterous woman. It was to provide her grace and show that how through God she can be loved and she can be cared for the way she needed to. He was about his father's business. He put everything aside that he wanted to be. He did not jump back in the pack to go and hang out with his friends as they're traveling. He chose to stay in the temple to prepare. And since he had this responsibility, his responsibility was to be an example for us so that we'll know what to do. His responsibility was to preach the gospel. And because of his two responsibilities, we don't see Jesus sit back and say, okay, now I have a responsibility, what am I going to do? He had an immediate reaction. It was natural. Jesus' immediate reaction when he turned of age, when he got to celebrate the Passover and travel with his family, was to go straight to the temple and to learn, to ask questions. It was immediate. No one had to ask him to do this. It was, he did that completely on his own. And why? Why was this important? Because, again, he would know that he would be tempted in the wilderness because he would face persecution from the Pharisees. And there would be times that, honestly, he needed God. He needed to know how to pray. He needed to know what to ask for, how to ask for it, to do these kind of things. And so you know what happened? That immediate reaction, the first thing, is he began to prepare. He was prepared. There's a preparation involved. A preparation involved. I, uh, we have this idea of a business, and I don't know how many of y'all in here own a business uh, or that you've ever thought about owning a business, starting a business, but at some point, we've all been a part of a business. And no matter where we're at, if we're the owner, we've just been hired, we all have two cents to say about the business. We all think we could run the business a little bit better. Or we've all heard something. Even at the bottom, well, if I ran this business, this is how I would do it. So what I want us to think about is this idea of running a business. Uh, one of my first big careers out of college uh, was I worked, I was an insurance agent for Alpha Insurance. Uh, it was a great job. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I had a book of business that I was over. Um, and a lot of people, what they told me is, hey, if you work really hard, you're going to be successful. You can make as much money as you want. You just work really hard. Well, it's partially true. What I found out, though, was if I work really, really hard and keep working really hard, I'm just really busy. And there would be times that I'm like, I have worked as many hours today as I can, but I have nothing to show for it. Why? Because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't diligently seeking what I needed to seek. I was just in there, sometimes flying by the seat of my pants, hoping something happened, hoping somebody walked through the doors. But when I, when I went intentional with my business is when it began to grow. And I, I used the example earlier. Dorgan's in here. I used Chris in the first example. I know nothing about cars, okay? Nothing. I, I can change the oil. I can change my tire. And I don't even know how well I do that. But I, I used the example of if I had walked into Dorgan's shop and I walked in I said, Dorgan, you know what? I'm going to run this place today. That place would tank. We, I, we'd be able to tell some good jokes. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I can share the gospel. But the business is probably isn't going to operate very well. So what's my point in that? If we aren't intentional and we're not being prepared in our business, it's not going to flourish. It's not going to flourish. 
Okay, and so what Jesus did is there was this immediate reaction where he began to be prepared. In Luke 2.46, it says, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple doing what? Sitting in the middle of the doctors. He wasn't sitting in the back like, I just want to hear what they say. He is in the middle of it. He is preparing in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them, he's listening to everything they say, but then he's also asking questions. It's one thing just to sit back and listen to something. But you know somebody is actually interested when they ask a question. So he's sitting there in the middle of them, asking them questions, being prepared. Matthew 4.4, I just put, it is written. We know the example of when Jesus went into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. The devil comes and says, hey, do this, I'll give you this. Hey, do this, I'll give you this. What is Jesus' response? It is written. How does he know what is written? Because he was prepared. If he had went out into that wilderness unprepared, what would have happened? But he immediately came with a response from God. It is written. And not only was he prepared in the word of God, but in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well Please. So you see, Jesus wasn't just in the temple. He was following every step of God's plan. He was following every step. He went and got baptized to fulfill what was to happen. So he was an, he was an example for us. He went and preached the gospel. And you see, because of his responsibility, he was preparing. We must be prepared to do the work of God. But then the other thing you see is because he had this business. And this is what I want you to know as I continue with the rest of this message. One thing I want you to know is every one of us in here has an opportunity to be a part of God's business. And he has called us to do that. Every one of us in here should be about God's concerns, about his business. And this is the thing. None of us in here deserve to be a part of it. None of us. And that's true, and that's easy to say, but honestly, think about it. Think about how many times God has given you something in your life, and we failed with it. God has given you an opportunity, and because of something you did or some situation, it just tanked. Man, that's the worst feeling. And you know what? God gives us those things, and honestly, sometimes we have to fail with that. But this is the thing. God doesn't look and say, you know what? You're a failure, so I'm going to pass this to somebody else. He's given us the same opportunity to be a part of his business because he wants us to be. He allows us to be. And that is huge. That is a huge opportunity to be a part of. And because Jesus understood this, we can see in that verse, it says, Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. He doesn't say, well, I'm in here just to kind of see what this thing's like. He says, I must be about my father's business. There's no other way. This is what I have to do. He's not looking at the people that's left him. He's not looking at his friends, his family. Everyone is gone. He says, I have to be about this. Now, how cool would that be for us, as maybe some of you are, to only be focused on that? I must be about this. But if we're honest, life gets to us sometimes. Like we have those moments where we turn, where we're coming, to, we're coming to church more regularly and we're doing those things and it, we get excited, but then life happens and it kicks us back to where we're like, well, I just need to focus on this a little bit. But what, how neat would it be if we could say, I must be about this. And that's where Jesus was. He had determination. He was determined. 
Nothing could stop him from fulfilling God's plan. And there's two things that I think that, that allowed him to be like this. The first thing was a spirit of obedience. A spirit of obedience. He knew he was doing a work for his father. He knew that God was allowing him to be a part of this. And the spirit of obedience is one of those things that it just, that spirit takes over. And there's nothing else that can get in our way. I know that sometimes when I, uh, uh, my mom's sitting right here and she, she'll attest to this. Whenever I get something on my mind, I stay in it until I'm finished. There was, I don't even remember what this thing was. It was like a tent type thing and it it opened up and it was like a cover and then you're supposed to be able to like twist it and turn it and roll it back together and it goes in this nice little zip pouch and and they're cool until like you open it it's like and then you got to put it all back together and my mom's like hey can you help me to finish this can you help me to put this back in yeah and then my wife like walks up and is like what is he doing well I asked him to do this and she goes Oh, we gotta go home. We're never gonna go home. Because she sees me over here and I'm like, and I, I don't know how long I spent there. Just with a little thing that I had to twist and put in the thing. And my mind was completely consumed in it. And that wasn't even obedience. That was just like, I wanna figure it out. But Jesus was to this point where it was purely obedience. He was fulfilling the work of his father and nothing was going to stop him. It didn't matter who got in his way. It didn't matter a Pharisee came and persecuted him. No matter what it was, Jesus was determined to fulfill. It's in that moment that we feel like an all-controlling, overwhelming influence. it, It prevents us from thinking about anything else but what we're being obedient to. It's that, it's, that, it's that part in us where our heart is completely on God. The second thing that I think helped him to be determined is honestly, it was a sacred call or a vow. It was a call given directly from God in his life. He had a call to be the Christ, to be the Messiah. Now this is the one part of this story that's a little different because one thing I can tell you is you're not going to be the Messiah. But he did have a special call as a human, as a man, to fulfill. He had to walk in the flesh. He had to go through and feel everything, emotions, physical pain. He had to do all of this. He had to live a life that was completely perfect to show you the example he needed to be. It was a divine work that God had specifically called him to. Nothing could stop him. No one could dissuade him. He was fulfilling the purpose. Uh, I remember when uh, I first came to church here, uh, it was after my job at Alpha. I had uh, a preacher and, and Dustin had came to me and my wife and was like, hey, uh, would y'all start a children's ministry? Uh, they didn't have one at the time. And uh, basically what they saw is two young people willing to do whatever somebody asked them to do. So we got to be children's ministry. Uh, at the time, like I was super excited and I still am, but there was some, some of those heartbreak moments and some of those frustrating moments. But I remember we had this event uh, where we were honoring, I think it was volunteers, and we were just trying to set this up, and, and it was the Zoo Kids, I think it was actually called Kids Corner at the time, but we had a bunch of the leaders, and uh, Miss Belisa Barry was back there, and, and, and since I was a, a, a male leader, they just said, hey Josh, will you pray? So I prayed, and Miss Belisa had asked me after, she goes, Josh, have you been called to preach? I said, no, I haven't. Kind of, and, and honestly, that's, that's sincere. 
I had no desire. I had not felt that I was called to preach in that moment. I just knew I was here to do a work for the church because that's what God wanted me to do. And, and when I, we start talking about this call, I, I think we overcomplicate this idea of what is your calling? What has God called you to do? What's, what's God's purpose in your life? And a lot of times, you you feel like you're supposed to have this huge purpose that God just puts up on a pedestal and says, this is yours. And and, and what I see a lot of times is when people will come up and ask is, what do you think God's plan for you in your life is? Well, um, I don't know. I I mean, I'm really praying about it, and I'm really trying to determine it. And that's a great job to do is to, to pray for it. But then what ends up happening is because we don't have that particular plan or that particular purpose, we tend to just sit back and say, well, I'm hoping he tells me one day. I'm hoping he tells me because I would like to know that purpose. But what I want to share with you, and all I can share is my own personal, uh, uh, how it worked in my life. But when Miss Belisa asked me if I was called to preach, it's sincere, I, I wasn't. I was not at the time. But what I was called to do is whatever God called me to do at any moment that God called me to do it. And it was in that that I felt my calling was to serve God. And I'm not trying to be over-spiritual about that. I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal. But honestly, that's what it was. If somebody asked me to do something, yes, I'll do it. If it's in the name of the Lord, let's do it. If, God, if the church needs help with this, let's do it. And we have a lot of those great leaders that do that. And honestly, I think for us sometimes, that is our calling. Just do the business. Just do what concerns God. Because when you do that, you're fulfilling the call of God. But again, we overcomplicate this sometimes and think we ha- it's not about being a preacher. It's not about leading a life group. Even though both of those are neat and you should, if God's called you to do it, definitely. If he tells you to go preach, go preach. But whatever he tells you to do, do it. If it's this lady right down the road just needs a shoulder to cry on, be willing to be that person. Do what God has called you to do. And that's what Jesus was. He was completely determined to do that. It didn't matter what got in his way. At all. And Jesus, I don't, I don't even think Jesus did it for the reward. Jesus did it for us. But this is the difference that God's allows us to be a part of. When we focus on His business, we can be rewarded. We can read in these scriptures where it says the grace of God was given to Jesus. We can read in 52 where it says that He grew in, in, in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Because He focused His, his everything on the concerns of God He was blessed. He had a reward. And this is what I know about us. Especially in the world that we live in. Um, It's a very selfish world. Uh, Worry about yourself. Take care of yourself. You know, if somebody does you wrong, don't you ever help them again. That's the kind of world that we live in. And with that, we tend to get focused on our business. My business. Even to the point where I've heard it multiple times. Hey, Stay out of my business. Worry about your business. And then the other thing is, is, is this idea of only focusing on God's business. Like, God, can we do that? Like, because I, I have a job. I have a life. I have kids. So I don't know if I can fully submit to that. But this is what I want to share with you. No matter if you actually have a place of employment, no matter if it's a place that you work, no matter if it's your life, your children, there's one thing I'm going to help you out with. If you focus everything on God's business, your business will be blessed. And understand, I'm talking more about more than just a job. 
If you focus your life and everything on the concerns of God, your life is blessed as a byproduct. You don't have to work twice as hard. Just focus on God. Just focus on what He's telling you to do. And when you fulfill that, your reward is great. You will grow in wisdom. You will grow in stature, which is your reputation. You will grow individually more than you will ever be able to fathom. That's tough. Like, so you want me to be fully submissive to Christ? Yes! In everything that you have. Because this is what I want you to know through this message. That's what Jesus did. Fully submissive. And I know some of you are like, but he was God. He was man. Which is why God gave us this passage to show us he was man. Yes, he was God. Yes, he was deity. Yes, he was the Messiah. But he was man. And as a man, as that fleshly side, he was completely devoted to God and to God alone. And when we follow that example, the reward is great. So here's my question for you. Right now, where you sit? What are you concerned with? Are you concerned with God's business? I know you're here at church, so that, that's great, and, and that's a great step. But are you here because you're concerned about His business? Are you here because it's the check mark off the week? Are you here because you brought your kids today, and, and that's great too, I, I love that. But are you here because you're, wor- or you're concerned about His business? You're concerned about His concerns. You're growing, you're preparing. Is that why you're here? Because you're preparing to do something great out there? Are you determined right now? Are you just living in a state of, I'm here? Do you have the spirit of obedience about you that you're doing everything you can for God? Are you fulfilling the call that God has given you to do everything for Him and for His glory? Are you determined? Are you prepared? And this is my other thing. This is my last thing. Is His grace, is His favor enough of a reward for you? Is that enough for you? Because we also live in a world where we want immediate results. Give it to me now. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to hold it. But you may not see it immediately. And is just having the grace of God, is just having the favor of God, enough of a reward for you to seek Him diligently. Just like the parents did after they realized they didn't have Him for three days. Is that enough for you? And I would challenge you, it should be. Actually, it should be enough that He's given you an opportunity to even do His business. But is it enough? Are you prepared? Are you willing to prepare? Are you determined? Are you willing to be determined? Are you ready to have the favor of God in your life for seeking Him wholeheartedly? Let's pray. Dear God, we love you so much, and I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for just this amazing day. God, just where we are able to celebrate.